0: so that you can move forward and publish your book with boldness and courage. My name is Coach Tam, and this is Publishing Secrets. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Can I be honest? As much as I know that that is the path that I should take, walking by faith and not by sight is easy to say and hard to do. My guest this week, though, Pastor Jim Wickham has been tested on this scripture time and time again, when called to plan a church, to pursue higher education, and then to take the subject of his thesis and turn it into a book. I was blessed by the time that I spent with Pastor Jim not only because his journey in faith inspired me, but also because of the subject of his book. He has a passion to reach all nations and to bring us closer together rather than us continuing to move further apart. I don't know about you, but I believe it's high time (laughs) for us to look for things that we have in common versus being divided by what makes us different. And Pastor Jim gives us a plan, a method for doing that. So, if you are a change maker, if you can feel in your heart that you are being challenged to walk by faith and not by sight, you've got to tune in to this full episode to hear Pastor Jim's testimony and his challenge to you to build a bridge. Enjoy. All right, well, Pastor Jim, welcome to Publishing Secrets. We've had such a great time catching up and talking about you and your ministry and this book that God has led you to write. So I'm excited about having the opportunity to share more with our listening audience. Thank you so much for making time to be here today.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm excited just with the opportunity we've had just to talk and some of the sharing that's going on and uh, just love your heart and your perspective.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Pastor Jim. Yeah, Listening audience, I was sharing with Pastor Jim that we have something in common. So Pastor Jim is a Pentecostal and I grew up in the Pentecostal church starting from the age of nine. So we have that in common and this is his heart for people. I can tell already is amazing. And just as we started to talk about how his ministry started, I was just, just blown away. And so I would love to kind of bring the audience along with us. You Mm -hmm. pastor Living Word Church today, which started out as a church plant, but you had no intention of planning a church. So tell us the story of how Living Word came to be.
1: Well, at the time, my wife and I were uh, serving at her father's church. I was the youth pastor slash everything else that needed to be done. And so the Lord moved us from one location to where we presently live. And he moved us here very clearly, very distinctly. It was more like a supernatural leading. And um, as he moved us here, He also began to direct us to leave the church. And I was bivocational, so leaving the church finances wasn't an issue. And so when we left the church, had no clue really why he had led us here or why we were to leave the church. And so began to really pray about what he wanted us to do. I was thinking actually uh, evangelistic work, which was Mm. interesting, and trying to figure out how I would kick that off and get started, get connected with pastors. I mean, I I knew a few pastors, so they might allow me to come. (laughs) But then the Lord began to deal with me as I, in my own personal devotions, and began to speak of how that wherever Paul went, he planted a church. And so as that thought began to sort of get embedded in my soul and begin to really just kind of meditate on that and pray about it, talk to my wife, People began to show up at our door, literally just come to visit us, where we were living at the time, here in Mechanicsville, and just ask, are you going to plan a church? If you are, we will go with you. Mm-hmm. And of course, I never told him we were. We weren't even in that spot of right. saying, yes, we were going to do this. We were just praying about the idea of Paul planting churches wherever he went. Mm-hmm. And so I would respond like, okay, where'd you get that idea? I said, I don't know. I just thought that that's why you moved here. You were going to plant a church. And so it wasn't just one person. There were several people, several couples who came to us out of clear and began to kind of give this affirmation. So the, we're praying, asking God to affirm and God sending people affirming. This is what I've called you to do. Yeah. <laughs> And, and so we began to conclude by then, okay, this is what you want. And then one of the people who came, he said, if you're going to start a church, plan a church, I have a home here in the area. And he said, my garage is open. He said, I had redone my garage when I was married for my children. And uh, it had better carpet and padding in his garage than I had in my home. Wow. Yeah, he was, he was a carpet man, a floor man. And so we went and looked at it, and he said, I'll get a unit. We'll stick in the window to cool it down and heat it. And so we set up and put the word out after that, and several families came. Yeah, I think there was about five families, six families that joined us. And so we kicked off with a handful of people in a two-car garage.
0: That's just, I'm sitting here, I'm shaking my head because it's just amazing because I've had the pleasure to, of course, now, you know, read your bio and and read your book and know that God has just honored your obedience to say yes to now you have your own building, you know, eventually moving beyond the garage, which sounds like it wasn't a bad setup by the way. It, but it eventually was. getting <laughs> getting your own building, Now Living Word has both full-time and part-time staff. So God was just so faithful to you after you got your affirmation and confirmation that this is the direction that you needed to go in and followed it. He provided everything that you need. And as we were talking a little bit earlier, I was just thinking about who could really be blessed by this podcast. And of course, There's going to be, you know, writers and authors that are going to get great nuggets from your story. Also, I can just imagine people that are very early in their ministry and they have been obedient and maybe they're believing God to be able to have their own location and to have staff to help them carry forth the vision because it's not easy to do that. What would you say would be your advice to that person that, is in those very early stages and, and maybe experiencing some challenges as they're navigating through?
1: I think it's important to really be assured that you're hearing from the Lord and then to just be faithful to what he's calling you to do. Because there was resistance to us starting, we had some real challenges when we tried to move from the actual garage to a storefront. Nobody would rent to us. Mm. Nobody would open the door It's a very, and and I don't say this to condemn anybody. I'm just saying it was a very strong Catholic community. And so if you weren't Catholic, they would not rent to you. And literally people hung up on me. And as soon as I said, well, we want to rent your building for a church. And if they said, are you Catholic? And I would say no before I could say anything else. They would just hang on. And you can force your hand. We could have gone after that. In the sense of legal issues but i looked at it from this standpoint we came to be here and to remain here to be a long lasting organization a church that exemplified the love of god and so instead of fighting with anybody i just said well lord you've led us you've opened doors you will continue to open doors and that's what he did each time something took place in some challenge. God just came through. And I say that to really emphasize the answer to your question. Stay steady in what God's called you. Be clear about why you're there. We, we could have pushed the issues and you know, some of these people who were not going to rent to us. I mean, you know, those legal issues on that, discrimination and things that they we could really gone after. And I'm like, I'm not here for that. I'm here to plan a church that will exemplify the love of God and that will communicate that to the community and those people they're not resisting me they're resisting someone else Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and that's the one I represent and I want to make sure that the way I represent him is that okay that's okay because the God I serve and we serve opens doors and no one can stop that and that's what he did he opened doors and so I say Stay steady in what God calls and whatever the challenges are. You just step back and you pray and you trust him. Because mm-hmm. if he's led you to plant that, if he's for us, who's against us? Who will win? It, it may not happen in my time frame, which it didn't. It <laughs> okay, of course not. <laughs> you know, we, we want things yesterday.
0: You're right about it, Pastor Jim. At least I do. I'm going to raise my hand. I sure. want it yesterday.
1: <laughs> it was frustrating. And I'm not going to say I wasn't frustrated. I didn't walk away. The many times that you have someone who hung up on you and said unkind things to you and, and all those different things that took place. I mean, literally, we went to even schools. Schools wouldn't to us. Wow. Because they had a couple of schools had bad experiences with previous churches. Mm-hmm so they were not the principals were not going to even give us they didn't even listen to us and so you know all those things there's opportunity to push on but i thought you know and you've led us here you've opened the door and so the the, the real word to anyone listening who's planning the church and in the beginning or they're they're in that stage of a one or two years and you're wondering you know, how do we move from this point you pray you trust god if he's led you there To that point, he'll lead you to the next point, to the next stage. And he knows how to open doors. And we ended up in a storefront with a man who was a backslidden man, Pentecostal man, who had a store and he wanted someone to rent it and he let us rent it. And uh, later he came out with this story because God wanted us to be there with him so I could take on many occasions, sat down and talk and share the gospel and renew again. You know, God was reminding that man something mm-hmm. he had left. And so it, it was just a, a wonderful relationship we had. And who would have figured that God would have put that man there so he would rent to us so God could remind him of what he needed to do in his life,
2: first of all.
0: God is so intentional in all that he does. So even as those other doors were being slammed, it was pointing you to this person that God loves and wants to redeem. Yes, And it created an opportunity for you to minister to him. Gosh, it's such an important reminder as things are not happening the way we think they should, that there is a bigger purpose and a bigger plan. God is is beyond what we can see, and His purposes and plans are just oh, yeah. mind-blowing.
1: It is, you know, just like He did with uh, Paul and Silas. You know, they they went to so-called call to Macedonia for a man, yeah. end up in prison to get to the man. Now
2: that would not <laughs> be my <choice. laughs>
0: that would not be my way that I want to do it either. <laughs> but God has His own way of doing things, and that's just you know as we were talking. It's just a continual theme, this open doors. We've seen God do that for you time and time again. So living word starts to grow and then you start to grow in terms of your path in ministry and education. And, you know, God starts to open doors for you to get additional degrees. So talk to us about how your journey in education Ultimately, led to this concept that you're now speaking really strongly about is helping to reach all generations.
1: When my wife and I moved here, the Lord had spoke and told us to move. And of course, I had not completed my education, and most people say God would never do that.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot of people would say that.
1: <laughs> I do not say that to me, but the Lord did because He knew down the road that the university would actually have an extended education program and so i was able to enroll again and was bivocational pastoring and studying mm-hmm. and so with that uh, i was able to acquire my um, bachelor's degree and then a few years later the same university opened up a um, masters program and they took and did a masters where they crammed it into a year so oh, wow. it, it was it's intense i'm not sure why god has put the intensity in there <laughs> But uh, he did. Uh,
0: did. (laughs) did.
1: So every month I'd have to fly from Maryland to Florida to the university, spend Mm -hmm. one week. And you could have anywhere between two or three classes at a time that you were doing. And so you might have uh, open up with one class one day. The next day you could have in the morning one class and then another class. And it just rolled that way all year until you got to the end. You're supposed to have everything done by the 1st of December where you're completing your thesis, your project. And so it was an intense year. And so when I did that, I thought I would never go beyond. That was it. Because (laughs) you're you're reading, doing pre-work, going for a week, doing your post-work while you're trying to read and get ready for the next month. Hmm. It was really intense, and when it finished, of course, you're just, you feel like you've been released, you're set free, everything is completed, and I figured that would be the it for me, and I would not go further. And then, actually, someone from the seminary had called, because I had initially started my master's with them. And then happened to come across the president, met the president at a conference, our denominational conference that they have biannually, and was talking to him and he said, You ought to come to us because we have a master's that you can complete in a year instead of taking five years to do a master's. And that was very appealing. So that's why I switched. And then later wondered why I switched. <laughs> <laughs> I <had> <laughs> what was I thinking? thinking? <laughs> So the the individual at the seminary had called a couple years after I had completed my master's and wondered what happened to me since I sort of dropped off the map. And I explained what I did. And he said, well, I kind of figured you did that. He said, have you thought about a doctorate? I'm like, no, I didn't think I really qualified because Mm -hmm. some of the requirements were you needed to have Greek and Hebrew, Mm -hmm. some of those standards, and he said, no, we've made some changes. That's not required. And I'm like, really? And so it, it piqued an interest. He said a few other things that piqued an interest. And so I just sort of, well, let me see. I'm sure I will not be accepted. And I was wrong. God worked it out. And, and I was once again, there. and as the door opened, I just followed. Mm-hmm. I stepped through the door and then the process began. It was a five-year process of getting the doctorate done. And it was intense, but very rewarding because of not just the wonderful information, but the way it stretches you mm. and it gives you some ideas that you probably would have never even thought of or have encountered. And mm. then the group sessions that you have, because you have different leaders that are there and people who are striving like you. So they have perspectives that you will probably never, ever encounter. So it expands you in a way and stretches you beyond than just reading a book or taking a class by yourself. Mm-hmm. And so it prepared and then they're working with you from the beginning that you, know, you have to start thinking about your end project. And of course, I'm like, I'm just thinking about getting started. <laughs> <laughs> in, Much less project. at the
0: end. <laughs> but yeah,
1: well, we're five years away. That's, that's good. i will we'll wait about it. But then they kept pushing on that, and I thought, again, some of the people were so creative with their mm-hmm. visions and mission statements, and I'm thinking, what would you want me to do, Lord? And then I felt the Lord speak of the shift that took place in our church and how we need to make changes to really try and reach all generations. And Then what took place is that uh, it started unfolding, and I began sitting down because you have to sit down with your director. and kind of this is my idea they have to approve that and make you okay well write out your perspective what you think about this and then you know they kind of work through that and then get you to a point as I kind of mentioned earlier they you have to write all that out get it edited and then they give it to an outside source who comes in to critique that and put their input in it of what they think about it and then you, you do that for a class and they're allowed to give you feedback as well. And so that kicked off the whole project, which eventually of course turns into a book.
0: And you know what I hear, Pastor Jim, over and over in your story, your journey in education was intense. Yes. So God kept putting you in really intense situations. Your your personality, at least what I've observed so far, is pretty easygoing and even kill. So I'm wondering if on the inside you were like, no. <laughs> Or did you just kind of take that in stride? Because I'm imagining that there are people listening to us right now that are in the midst of intense situations. And most of us don't raise our hand for those things, but we find ourselves there. Internally, what was going on for you and how did you manage that?
1: Well, internally, the way you expressed it was going on. It was like, oh no. And then because of, I mentioned Earlier, as we talked, my past—I that I wasn't the best student. They wanted to get rid of me from high school, so there was that insecurity that I'm not a good student. So there was fear, and there was this idea that I just need to quit.
0: <laughs> just done.
1: <laughs> I'm done. And but each level, what I found is that as I would even contemplate some of that, and there was times of just easy way, you know, I can easily bail out of this. Just because all I have to do is say that my demands at church and
2: mm-hmm. so forth.
1: And the, that's not a lie.
2: Yeah. The
1: demands at church and home and family is just all too much. Because there were other men and women dropping out because of some of those demands. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. And it can be. But as always, when I have my personal time with the Lord, I hear another voice that affirms me and speaks life and says, you can do this not because of you, you can do this because of me. And it's that encouragement that he would give and he began to really just bring a certain type of building that he was working in this, he was working to change me. And so if I was willing just to continue to follow, he would give me the strength, he would give me the wisdom He'd help me with my ideas and help me to walk through it so that I would succeed. Because I believe that God, no matter what takes place, how intense it can become. And there were moments, that, like I said, it wasn't just in the beginning of the program or even in the middle of the program. that I just wanted to say, no, I'm done. And especially when they want you to stand up in front of the class. And, Mm. you know, I mean, I preach every week. But when you stand up before. A little different. Oh, it's all different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have these uh, fellow students and then there's professors and there's always others who come in to join you. And you're like, well, who gave them permission to come too? <laughs>
0: Why, <are they> <laughs> Why are they here?
1: It creates a lot of tension. and If you have insecurities, it just brings all that out. Mm-hmm. But God works in that because his goal mm-hmm. is, is for us to conquer those. Mm-hmm. Not because of who we are, but because of who we he is. is. Amen.
0: Amen. Wow, it's so funny to me. My experience with God, and it sounds like yours is too, is that somehow he manages to get so many things accomplished out of one thing.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: we think I'm going to get this doctorate done, and as we'll talk about in a bit, you know. No, that's not all. I'm getting a doctorate. There's a book that's coming out of this. I'm going to deal with some personal, you know, insecurities and fears. Like he gets so much bang for the buck <laughs> in these experiences that seem to be an isolated experience. Like he is doing, as you said, he is doing so much work just in that one, one experience, that one yes. yes. Um, and the continual yes, too, because that's what I heard, too, is it wasn't just at the beginning. You know, there were moments throughout that journey that a part of you wanted to say no, but just being willing to trust and say yes. And now, lo and behold, you know, what's something that started out as a project for your doctorate eventually became a book that I personally believe is going to make a positive impact in the church. So, talk to us about how it went from doctoral project to book.
1: Well, after the project was done one of the things they do for you as a benefit I mentioned earlier to you privately is that they bind it into a book form but it's all project you know, it's very academic and so they give us a copy they get a copy because they put all this on file and because it all gets registered and then you're allowed to get extra copies which we did I bought some extra copies to give to my children and so forth And so I handed my children copies, and one of my children is a teacher, and she began to read it immediately. She was excited that I had completed and got to this point. And so she immediately began to find a benefit from it, not just personally, but in her work as a teacher. Some of the issues she was dealing with in her classroom with some of the students, she teaches sixth grade, and so she found out that the book was helping her. She said it helped her understand what she was dealing with. And of course, you know, being my daughter, a fan, I'm thinking, uh, you're just, you're just blown smoke. You're just you talking. just
0: love me. That's all. <laughs> and
1: she she would say, no, Dad, uh, this is really an excellent. She's actually encouraged other teachers and even the principal of the school to purchase the books. Oh wow! Wish they had. And there's been response from that where they, have through her, that is, they haven't contacted her or spoke to me, but how that it has helped them. My wife is a teacher for over 25 years. And so she was reading it and she said the same thing. She said, you've got to put this in a book. Now. This is not just something good for a pastor. It's good for any leader. Mm. And especially those who are dealing with some of the different generations. And so, through constant encouragement, we'll use that word.
0: Yeah, I was going to say pushing,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I, they
0: might be listening, so we'll say encouragement. encouragement.
1: Yeah, be a good <laughs> so, they, so constant encouragement, I proceeded to move forward on that and then connected with one of the individuals who was sort of over the doctoral program. She was a director, and she's also the one who does the final kind of review and editing of your material. And she has uh, helped others produce books. She's worked with others to write books herself. So I contacted her and started talking with her about it. So we connected and she was very helpful, very willing. And of course, I was totally clueless going through another area. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, you just kind of, a door opens. And again, I walk through the door. And she was very helpful with helping to take that material that was very academic and then put it into the form it sort of is at the moment. And I say that because I was able to, with one of my classmates, he had a book published, his project published. And so he kind of connected me with a publisher. And so they also worked with kind of refining that a little bit. The editing part was done. It was just, formatting and putting it into its form as it is in the book. Mm -hmm. So it unfolded. So for me, the book process was not as stressful as getting the project done.
0: Yeah, your process was five years (laughs) (laughs) to get your book done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and the last few months of that was very intense. Yeah, because you have deadlines you have to meet. And when it really gets down to it, if you don't meet those deadlines, then it starts costing money and then if you don't you know they give you a little bit of a window of grace in the sense which it's not grace because you got to pay for it and if you don't need it
0: grace that you have to pay for another year
1: if jesus more. did that to
0: us we'd be in trouble pastor jim <laughs> <You would. laughs>
1: but it was it helps motivate you that's the goal
0: mm-hmm. to
1: motivate you to push through and complete it and mm-hmm. so she really helped with that and kind of editing and us talking things through and going back and forth. And she did a great job, great suggestions. And then of course the publisher, they kind of worked with it and we worked back and forth with some concepts and ideas and they work with you on kind of final design and how they're going to format it. Mm
0: -hmm. And the finished product, you know, getting to the finished product is sometimes a long and arduous process, but you made it there. And now this book has the potential to transform lives in so many areas, as you alluded to, not just within the church and leaders in ministry, pastors, teachers, lay leaders, but also in other organizations that are finding themselves working with many different generations and perhaps not knowing how to do so successfully. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about the book, Facilitating Change to Reach All Generations. This started based on something that you saw within Living Word. Tell us yes. about what the situation was that led you to realize we might need to do something different here.
1: When the church was planted, we kind of started off a handful of people. And as it grew, we immediately began to add different ministries that bridged families and bridged the generations, and so as it has unfolded, as the church unfolded and was growing, there were ministries, and of course, a staff came on. We worked together, and we were able to kind of connect the generations, where the children and the youth felt they were a part, and uh, we would actually have not just programs, we sort of including them in different activities and ministry. Then some shift occurred, some changes took place that were very dramatic of uh, leaders that left. And then we realized that we needed to really strengthen up some of the ministries because of some of the leaders and the turmoil from the leaving of some leaders. And so what it did is that our vision was broad and looking not just inwardly, but outwardly we turned our vision more inwardly because we said we need to strengthen this. We need to come alongside of the different groups for the different age groups and uh, the youth and the children and some of the different ministries that were there. And what happened is without realizing it, it just, we all turned our leader because I'm the leader. So as I turned, my leaders turned with me and we worked on strengthening our, our educational programs our uh, different outreach program, you know, that we had some outreach, but everything turned more inward. In the process, as that was happening, our country was shifting, and culture was shifting, and so before long, what began to happen is gaps started to occur in the church, and I wasn't watching, and when I say I wasn't really watching, we all knew there was shifts going on in our country in the world that's not that part we knew that but we were so focused on eternally on ourselves trying to strengthen with the idea that we strengthen this this helps us to reach out well next thing we knew is that another shift occurred and there was these gaps that all of a sudden weren't just small they were huge then we were trying to figure out what just happened to us in that process, I realized that we needed to step back and make changes to help us to bridge some of those gaps and to reach the generations. And you hear some churches, and I'm not saying there's any way to condemn anyone, is that to say, well, you know, our ministry is for this group of people, mm-hmm. and our ministry is for this group of people. And so there's no condemnation or anything. I'm just saying that for us, we were reaching all generations. And I believe that's our calling. And I think. Jesus didn't say just one certain group of people. He said all people. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt like for us, we needed to do something. And so from that, I began to investigate and look at what happened, what's going on right now, our culture, our culture in the church. You know, we say culture, we think it's all the same. And, And, you know, you can go in the South and there's sort of a, I mean, we're, we're America, but there's cultures <laughs> all over the place.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
1: why we have in you know, places that's very strong Latino and Spanish, or you're a very strong African-American area. You have very strong mm-hmm. Asian, you know, little Italy, you know, China, and all these different things. These are all different cultures, but there's cultures in the church. But the culture outside shifted so drastically that I began to see the church was not really acknowledging them. We just say, we don't like what's going on. That's what you hear. Yeah, I, I don't like this party. I don't like that party. We don't like this here with different values that are there. But what wasn't really being spoken about and what they weren't addressing for themselves is we can't talk like I used to because this group of people are not interested. And so we shifted from a modern to a postmodern to now really we're very much secular humanism. And secular humanism, is a whole different ballgame, a whole different animal. And then the church itself, these people are coming into our church, and we are having people come in who knew nothing. Here we are in America thinking we're Christian. And people are walking into our church that know nothing at all of what we are talking about. And being Pentecostal, we use certain terminology about yeah. the presence of God and his fiery presence and so forth. And they're like,
2: what, what are you talking about?
1: What are you talking about? <laughs> Right. And sometimes the church can get this idea that all we need is just a revival. We just need this. But if they don't understand any of this, Mm -hmm. they look at us as we're from a different planet. Mm -hmm. And so I realized there's some shifts here that really need to take place in us. Not our message. We don't change our message. We just need to change how we say the message. Not water it down, not compromise That's it.
2: Good. Mm-hmm.
1: But how do we say this to connect with those people? And how do we do things differently to connect with them and say, you are welcome to? And in the book, I even give the example of some, you know, the, the generation they'll come in where we say it's disrespectful. You know, they got their hats on. And the normal way of doing things is that when you walk in, you take your hat off. That's just that of respect and dealing with certain ethics. Now, this generation doesn't know any of that, and I've had people literally go to someone who's brand new, walking in with their hat on, hit them up of, you know, you need to take your hat off, and they would do it kindly. They would sit through the service. They would never return. Never come back. Mm -mm. Never come back. And so trying to get people to see that we need to, you you know, hats more important.
2: Yeah, that's true
1: than his soul. Hmm. Jesus knows how to change the ethic of someone, but I can't change the ethic of someone just by telling them to take their hat off. And I'm not trying to encourage or. You know, I'm just saying it's really about how are we going to look at this generation? They're lost. How do we connect with them? How do we reach them? And so that whole book unfolded with trying to bridge that and solve that for us. You know, and in process and how you start to pursue an idea and God starts giving you information. And so he just started unfolding a whole concept I never even thought of. of. And he created humanity. And it says in Genesis 2, he planted the garden. So the garden wasn't just created. He planted it.
0: That's good.
1: And he stuck humanity in it. So he created a whole culture, but then sin. Destroyed that and created a counterculture. And most of us live a counterculture. And then from that point, it's been God reaching out to us to create a different culture to get us back with Him. So that book unfolded, just trying to describe that and then describe where we are as America in this counterculture that we have, dealing with the different generations, understanding that, understanding some of the different people groups we have. You know, we look at people and don't realize there's different people groups and it's not just ethnicity, it's just just different groups. Some who are spiritually looking. And we have some who do not care to look spiritually at all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Traditionalist you know, traditionalist to me may mean something, to use something, but when you really look at the book you'll find out the definition of traditionalist is a little bit different because it's not always what we think if they group with a, a community and they sort of have some of the same values where they're willing to work together then they're traditionalist but that's not a traditionalist to me traditionalist to me means we're holding traditional values mm-hmm. something from the past but that's not what it means so there's different people groups and the values have shifted and they shift according to time culture what's happening unfolding in the moment because right now, our culture is not steady. It's, yeah, it's, no, it's very fluid. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where we are in the next couple of years. As you I'm said cold. a
0: mouthful. <laughs> you <laughs> said a mouthful there. And that's why I think that this, this book and the concepts and the message that God has given you is so important. Because one of the things that I hear you communicating to us is, let's not be us versus them. Let's not create this division of if you're going to be accepted here, you have to do things this way and not compromise the gospel. I, I heard you on that, and that's really clear. And I know somebody's probably listening like, oh, here we go. But no, you're very clear that that's not what we're talking about. But it is about trying to build relationships with people that may not have all of the same background, all the same experiences and beliefs with you for the purpose of winning them to Christ. And we're going to be better together if we can do that versus, you know, this group kind of being over here, this generation being over here and and no one is working together. Everyone is working in silos. And if we could get that on so many different levels, (laughs) as you've talked about within this country, it would be totally different than what we're seeing right now. And so I see the potential ripple effect being huge because this as of the time that we're recording this in July of 2021 we are anything but together
2: That's even the within
0: the church
1: oh the church is divided and we're divided on many levels it's not just um, I know right now race is a big issue and it, and it needs to be there's things mm-hmm. that need to be addressed on all levels but uh, I think it was Tony Evans I just heard and he said within the church that shouldn't never have been never have been. I mean it is, it should never have been. And now's the time for us as people of God to step forward and realize we can do something. We can help in our culture, but we can help yeah. in the church and change the church, to get our eyes focused on we're to be kingdom people, people of God who that part is not to be something that divides us. It should be something that brings us together so that look look what God can do with people different people and brings us together what his grace that's amazing what it can do for us and how he brings us together and calls us to be family i mean it's so amazing how he transforms us and we realize those aren't issues he destroys that the cross has destroyed that if we let it if we let it and it's not that we lose our individuality But yet he brings us together with our individuality and our uniqueness, but brings us to become a family, brothers and sisters in Christ, his kids, and being able to take and stand together, how amazing it is that we can stand together and proclaim the gospel and show this is what really the love of God, the grace of God, and the mercy of God can do
2: for anyone.
0: Amen. I'm excited to be a part of helping to get this message out. And, you know, just... Another example, Pastor Jim, this was something that was going on within Living Word. You had no idea that as you tried to seek God to understand what steps you needed to take as an organization and as a group of leaders, that this could turn into something that would bless other churches and organizations who are dealing with this same thing. So we'll wrap up soon, but I just wonder if, you know, for the person that's listening right now, and they've heard what we've talked about and they realize, wow, I do have a little bit of a us versus them type of climate going on in my school, in my church, in my organization. What would you say, based on your experience, what is the first step that you would encourage that person to take?
1: I think the first step is that they would need to just, if we could put it this way, take a step back and ask themselves the question, why do you feel chew against them? Because often when I feel it's me against somebody, there may be different views, different values, beliefs, whatever those are. What I find first off, the real issue is not them. The real issue is something here in me. And when I step back and begin to ask the question, why, why am I against them? What is it that has brought me to this point? Anger, frustration, whatever that is, why? Well, as I've always found, The one we serve is very faithful. He exposes our heart. And he'll show me and say, this is why you have that. And then I can take and allow him to deal with it and deal with it with him. There's two points. Allowing him to deal with it and dealing with it with him. So I can change that. Then it allows me to come and approach that person differently. Instead of seeing the differences, then I can see the real need here is if they don't know Christ, that's the greatest need of all. It's for them to find Christ, and they're not gonna find it if I'm gonna take and be at odds with them. We have to realize we're not at odds with anyone. And that's because God has poured out, as it says in Romans, he has poured out his love into our hands. Bountifully, he's lavished on us. In Ephesians, his grace and his love on us. Why? Because that's what changes us. That's what enables us to look beyond ourselves and our differences and see needs and be able to connect to that and reach them. So I think the first thing is you really have to step back and say, why am I feeling this way? Why am I at odds? What's the real conflict here? We can find conflict easily.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not hard. You can always find conflict and the differences. But why is it that I feel this way? That's what has to be addressed.
0: Look inside.
1: Look inside. Check your heart.
0: Check your heart.
1: See that. And then let the Lord deal with it. Mm
0: -hmm. I love the way you talked about that. He's dealing with it, but you're dealing with it with him too. (laughs) So we have a part in that process. It's not just him doing all the work. We've got to partner with him for that work to take place. But the good news is that as you were willing to submit to that process, the leaders at Living Word were willing to submit to that process with you, you saw transformation happen within your church. And I'm believing that this podcast, this interview that we're doing, as well as the other doors that God will open, because he's done that all throughout your journey, will enable you to be able to share this message so that others can take that hard look sometimes. And understand what God is revealing to them and be able to create a different culture and climate that actually draws people versus repelling people. I think that's really the risk that we're talking about here is if we don't take this message that's in facilitating change to reach all generations to heart, then we risk pushing people away versus fulfilling the call that we have to draw people. I mean, ultimately he does the drawing, but to facilitate that, right? We can help that be accomplished or we can hurt. And so the choice is ours to decide what side of that equation we are going to be on. So I just want to thank you for being willing to go through the process (laughs) to get this book out here so that it can help other people. So let's talk a little bit about what's next. I know we talked about how, as you were working on this, You had an opportunity to do some seminars and be able to teach some of the concepts here. There's workbooks and all that people can use so that hopefully it shortens the learning curve a little bit versus what you and the leaders at Living Word experience. So I'm believing that as people are listening to this episode right now, that they may want to, you know, make that connection. First of all, that they want to check out the book. But secondly, maybe they even want to partner with you to get some assistance navigating through this process, what would be a good place for them to start? What would be a good next step for them?
1: Well, if they, of course, you know, the books they can definitely acquire on Amazon and so forth, but there's contact information, I believe, in the book that they can connect if they would love to connect with me. I'll be willing to connect and provide any assistance and help, helping them to maybe walk through their own process. They probably need to really start evaluating their own church, seeing where they are in the sense of not just here's the status of our church, but where are they in the sense of their own personal perspectives, their view as a body? Because everybody, when I say everybody, I'm talking about congregation. Every congregation has its own perspective and view, and there's a lot being thrown at the church right now because of COVID, of doing, and I'm not saying this critically, I'm just saying it the way they're presenting it, is that there's a lot dealing with marketing, about marketing yourself well. However, we can market ourselves well, but you need to have more because someone's going to come and haven't we seen wonderful pictures and videos and you go and you realize, uh, so when did you take this picture?
2: <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, yes.
1: <laughs>
0: pictures from 20 years
1: ago. <laughs> yeah. And so we have to be careful because what we really have to do is make sure that we're changing ourselves to whatever we're marketing is real.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because there's a lot of focus on that. I'm not criticizing. I think all that can be very great tools to help us. However, who are we? We've got to get a perspective of who we are. And, and oh, we're the church of Jesus Christ, we're we're believers, yes, who are we? Going back to that illustration, I realized we had people that were good people, they loved the Lord, but they were moving in directions of strong religiosity. I was going to be more concerned about a hat than I am about a soul. So that whole perspective, we have to really be willing to examine, are we concerned about Appearances, or we concerned, where are we? So we have to really look at and of evaluating where we are. And so only the pastor and leaderships can really start getting that kind of the barometer on that, you know, evaluating that. And you do that by asking questions. If it's putting a survey together, uh, the book there, it speaks of a survey I did to visitors and so forth, trying to get a handle on what they thought of us. And you got to be willing to accept if they say, um you're all lousy <laughs> i mean you've got to be willing to accept to something it, to say yeah. to you truthfully yeah not because of putting ourselves down but to say so what are they saying about us what are we saying about us what is important to us so it's really taken time and, and that's not something you do in one day it's something you have to sit down and really process through let people be honest let them be anonymous so they can feel free. In other words, I want you to respond, but you don't have to put your name on it so I know that you said it. So you can be free to say what you want.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's very revealing sometimes it's hurtful because we all want to take and believe that we have the best. Mm-hmm. Church is this, but there's weaknesses we have. And so we have to be willing to take and evaluate that and then start really trying to interpret that and simulate it in a way that we could say okay simulating the sense that we don't want to continue it but it's simulating that knowledge and information saying okay now we have this what do we do with this how does this help us if we're, it comes out we don't show love like we should okay that's critical because we're to be people who demonstrate the love of god constantly so then how do we take and go through and see how we're not showing love
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, we just don't need a statement we need to Figure that out. What does that look like? What does not showing love look like mm. in our context? And you know, so someone comes. You know, I've had a couple of people say, "Well, you need to be authentic." And I'm like, "So what does that mean?" What does that mean? <laughs> so you have to ask that question because not being authentic could be anything. Because
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: I don't know their context, and that's important because sometimes context and words. What they mean to you and me may not mean the same to, to them. Yeah. yeah, And I've learned that someone says, oh, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's great. But they're not really saying great. They're using the word great. And then I go back later and they just, they're just saying, well, it's great because they don't see that there's a possibility that it's going to change. Hmm. And they just say, oh, that's great. And they're, they're done. But as I have investigated, they were just saying, oh, great, because I didn't feel there was any way that my voice would mean anything
0: would make a difference yeah wow there's so much in there as I hear you talk about this this really requires a commitment of those that embark upon this process to be willing to be open to feedback some of which will not be what we want to hear to be willing to ask those deeper questions what do you mean by that to make sure that I understand and then I even heard from you you know the onus would be on us as the leader to help the person see that I'm asking because I really do want to know. Yes. And that you can trust that I'm going to do something with this information because no one wants to just share and have it go nowhere. So, this, you know what, as I'm listening to this and I'm thinking about it, it sounds like that same thing that happened to you when you were going through your doctoral program that God would use <laughs> this <laughs> desire to reach all generations to accomplish so many things in us, which is not unlike those that are listening to us right now, The God is saying that you've got to answer the call to take your personal experiences, some of which sometimes we'd rather not, <laughs> right. um, and take it and put it in a book so that other people can be blessed by it. And there's going to be all these things that we have to face as we go through this journey. Some things not so flattering, but it's for a bigger purpose that God has in mind for us. So I wonder, Pastor Jim, before we go, if we could just speak to that person right now. So maybe there's a person that's listening to us that is going through that intensity that you talked about earlier. And a large portion of that isn't even really so much about writing and publishing the book, but it's the internal battle that is going on. What would be the number one piece of advice that you would give that person to help them to hang on and to keep pushing forward when maybe they were like you and they battled the temptation to quit?
2: It's a good question.
1: I would say that they really understand why they're in the place they're in. Meaning they're there not just because they chose it, but because the father God the Father loved them enough to put them there, meaning that He sees something far deeper, of value and important in their life than they have yet to see or recognize. And because of that, if we don't let the internal stress, fears, insecurities overwhelm us, and that we can turn to Him and see that God's goodness and His love for us is always working for what's gonna be the best, even when it goes through some of the most difficult situations, whatever they may be, whatever the internal struggle is. I'm sure when Moses was called, he never thought he was gonna deal with all the things he had to with. And his answer to it, even when he cried out to God, was really turning to God. And it's not just saying, oh, help me, God, but it's really beginning to see that you're there Not by accident. I don't think there's accidents. I think God's purposely leading us. And so it's always for our good. And if we can get a handle on it, it will help them to probably look beyond the moment, beyond the internal struggle, the stress that's there. And to see that they may not be able to see what's beyond, but we know who is beyond. So the one who's present with us is the one who's also going to be there. And that's where he's taken us. And he's always faithful. And that's some of the things I think when I stepped back and really began, there were several times, especially at the end of doing that project, I had really decided I was going to just give up. But God came through. He gave a couple people who came on just spoke some things of encouragement. They didn't know they were speaking encouragement. They were speaking life. But the Lord used that, and then the Lord was able to take it to me. I'm going to see you through I'm going to see you through. And I think that's really the important thing is just being able to see you're not there by accident. The one who loves you sees something more in you than you probably see in yourself at the moment. What he's doing is he's working for your good. Though it doesn't feel like it, it's for your
2: good.
0: Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this week's episode of Publishing Secrets